Yay! Oh, oh, bye. No, we don't see you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. He was like, oh, they have the same color on. I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> we have too much pot going on. No, thank like, you. They plan that. Uh-oh. What's in your glass? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Oh. Nice to oh, see you both. Nice to see you too. Are you I day drinking? Blue memo. I love I love the blue there. I know. Well, we didn't plan that. We didn't plan it, but we got on and we're like, ah, eh, screw it. Let's just be in blue. So <laughs> I love it. How, How are you doing? doing? You know. Uh, yeah, How today. How are today's you doing? Yeah. It's funny how they go in cycles, right? It's just, and it's kind of, I find it's in weeks. It's like some weeks are just, you know, you get things done weeks and other weeks it's just like, wow, this is long. This is interminable. Yes. I like think forever. From minute to minute, it can change depending upon what you read or don't read or emails you get or. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's a roller coaster. I wanted to thank you for, um, doing what you did for everyone involved at San Francisco Opera, not only the oh. singers, but for your, for the staff, for everyone. It was, um, and not just what you did financially, but how it was all handled and um, how professional it was. And I don't even know if that's the right word, but it just felt like you really just cared about everyone and about the opera company and about the art itself. And I just really wanted to say thank you. Thank you for all of that, mm. really. Thank so, you, Karen. Nice. Sure. I mean, our companies are nothing except people. And, you know, we, our companies are just made up of these incredible, uh, you know, organisms of, of the orchestra, the chorus, the principal artists, the crew. I mean, people who have been there for decades. And that's just what breaks my heart at the moment is that, uh, and everybody is just so desperate to get back to do what we do. Absolutely. And it's, it's the, the pain of that not being possible is, is heartbreaking. Well, you're... I could feel that through that Zoom meeting and it really, it got me. I actually just started crying and I thought, oh my God, I'm crying on this Zoom meeting with San Francisco Opera. She did, she did. And we had an interview right after that. And I was like, Gary, what's wrong? I, she said, it, oh, it just really got me. It really well, did. It really, what you had to say in your words. And, um, and I just, I mean, I don't know why that moment got me more so than like leaving DC from the job that we were all told everybody go home, but it just really, it just, I think it hit home, it hit home that we're in this and we don't know how long we're in it for. So, but I just wanted to thank you for that because um, oh. I could have hugged you. I would have. <laughs> <laughs> we're hugging Hugging would be a nice thing at the moment. But no, it's, it's amazing. We've done a couple of these big Zoom meetings and they're really powerful. Like you get four or 500 people on a Zoom call and you just go like through pages and pages of people <laughs> And you see people so close up and so intimately. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's it's quite different from like looking out over a whole auditorium and just sort of knowing everyone is there, but like really seeing everyone's faces is is very it's very restorative. I think it was so fun. I mean, well, I flipped through the pages during that meeting too, and um, it was so fun to see just friends of mine that I haven't seen in a while because we're always so busy. We're on the road, and to see Kevin Newberry's face. I mean, I just <laughs> love and adore him and Sasha's face. It just, and we all started messaging and oh my God. Uh, yeah. So, so much love to them. And that was a wonderful part of that meeting too, was to see those faces like that. Oh, I know. Everybody has a little time going on right now. <laughs> I know. Speaking of, how is your family and 
how is it with the kids and your how's that going at home oh well it's uh i mean my, my wife kate is doing an extraordinary job i mean she's homeschooling them and as so many people are now and it's just you know that's that's a huge job and then at the end of the job just to have to go back into you know regular care for them and uh, so forth but she's she's really uh shouldering the load on that and doing it beautifully um they, they're doing well they're eight and six and so they're getting a little bit stir crazy and uh, a little bit being an understatement yeah. but uh we they, they opened some trails i'm in marin county just north of the city okay and they opened the hiking trails last week which oh, is a great. real blessing just because you need variety yeah any uh, funny stories happen there with you guys at home? Any any interesting, funny, touching? <laughs> we we know we've had some. So no, we got a slip and slide this weekend. So that's <laughs> uh, I did not get on it yet, but I, I may have to. It's up in the nineties now, so I'm uh, I'm a little I have to like. Yeah, me too. But have <laughs> you taken up any new any new jobs or any new things around the house, or have you learned anything, or have you just been crazy busy like we've been? It's been pretty crazy busy, but we did, uh, I've, I've been working for most of the last year on a train set with, with our son and uh, like a proper HO train set, which is way out of my league and make way out of my comfort, comfort zone. Um, but we've built the table, we've done all the wiring, we've done the train layout and, and I've been, I've been, uh, you know, bad in not getting anything done so far in the lockdown. But last weekend we, uh, we broke down and we went to Home Depot and we got the supplies to make a, a little, uh, like styrofoam mountain with tunnels going through it. So that awesome. was fun. That was good. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you, you get to spend time with the family and that's, that's the upside of this, you know? I, this is the, this is the one time in my career so far when, you know, I've, I've been able to have dinner every night with the kids and that's, uh, wow. that's cause usually it's, you know, 11 o'clock by the time I get home and have dinner. So it's, uh, that's just been beautiful to have that. I bet. I bet they love it. I bet they love it. I have to tell you with that slip and slide, um, you should add just like a couple dots of Dawn dish soap. Those Ooh. kids will go flying. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want a video of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We see you on it, by the way. Mm -hmm. And like, doesn't that hurt to like just throw yourself on the ground like that? No, but... not with the soap. Um, like okay. if, you, if the soap makes it really slippery and slidey. And um, so it's really, trust me, you'll, you'll ha I'll have to shower when you're done, but you'll love it. It's really a lot of fun to do. <laughs> you're going to be all clean, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you just need a couple of drops, like not a whole tub or anything. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. You'll kill the yard. So just do a couple drops and, and you might have to keep reapplying as the water keeps going, but um, okay. just try a couple of drops. But yeah, try that. And then, and if you hate it, please don't call me. <laughs> like, carry if that they, if they end up in the neighbor's backyard. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> it's her fault. It's all <laughs> Carrie's fault. <laughs> well, let's talk about opera because we're all in it. We're all in if, it. If you're ready to get down or dirty here. Let me take a drink and we'll get into it. I was just going to say, do you need a slip, yeah. sip there? You know, what are you drinking? Well, yeah. this is supposed to be an aviation. Oh, I'm mm. drinking this in, in honor of my good friend and colleague Greg Henkel, our managing director of artistic, who is a uh, is a complete mixologist and you know has uh, has more bottles of obscure liquor than uh, 
than I think Bevmo does. But uh, anyway, he was he had posted a photo of an aviation the other night, and I used to make aviations all the time. Mm. It was my my go-to drink, and it's it's just gin with a little uh, maraschino liqueur, a little creme de violette, and lemon juice. Ooh, I need to do that. That sounds it's delicious. Good. It's good. It's like a good old-fashioned, like 1920s cocktail, I think. Yeah. Ooh. The problem is, I haven't made cocktails in a long time, and we have like no equipment. We have no measuring things. So I, I swear, like before coming on this afternoon, I was like looking up like what's two ounces in tablespoons because that's the only <laughs> unit we had. It doesn't taste quite like it should, and the glassware isn't exactly elegant, but pandemic it's drinking. It does the job, so cheers. Does the job. Cheers. Cheers. Is that a margarita? Well, no, actually. This is a new drink that we just found the recipe for. It's gin, mm -hmm. a little bit of like, two or three drops of simple syrup, lemon, squeezed lemon, and Prosecco. Mm. Quite Delicious. refreshing when it's almost 100 degrees outside. Very refreshing. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving it, but the problem is it goes down very easily. <laughs> That's what you need too. It tastes like more very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you right. going to do a streaming diva's cocktail book? Ooh. Oh my gosh, we should. We should. That's a great idea. Yeah. So um, what percentage of the book do we need to give you now since that was a brilliant idea? <laughs> A little credit on the back page, it's fine. Okay, that's it. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, Alcoholics Anonymous, after the, the quarantine and the pandemic is over, they're going to be swarming with people. <laughs> <laughs> that and Weight Watchers, I think, you know, but. <laughs> yes, for sure. Can All right. Drinking? I've got, um, I went back to my favorite, it's Brooklyn Gin. Have you ever had that? Mm, no, I haven't. It's delicious. It's good. my favorite. Yeah. Carrie introduced me to that one. It's, it's hard to find. We can't get it here in Canada. So Carrie always brings it. Anytime she comes up here, she always just like puts it in the, in the bag. But I'm lucky. I have people that can, you know, like mule runners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready to talk about opera? Do you want to talk about opera? Are you sick of talking about opera? Yeah. We can talk about opera for a little bit. And I, uh, I apologize for the heat here. Like, it's, as you say, it's, it's crazy out of control. Hot suddenly. Your fan on? I have air conditioning going, so. Uh, okay. My my little room here is up in the garret of the house, and so it's just like this little greenhouse. So. Uh, oh. Got it. The, the, hence the the warm face. Yes. Oh, can you put your fan on behind you? I think that would destroy the audio. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Mine. I didn't put mine on either. If you ask difficult questions, I'll put the fan on. <laughs> we're not gonna do that we just wanted to talk about it for a little bit yeah i was really i really loved what you were doing with your new online content and was curious about that and uh, i was excited about it because it's you know, kind of felt like it was out of the box and wanted to know what you had to say about it yeah we're you know we, we've had the benefit of this hd media suite now for over 12 years um it was david goffler's brainchild and you know, it's, it's really meant that we can do a lot of capturing and some releasing of stuff, but, uh, but a lot of capturing over the last decade plus. And it's just given us this amazing archive of content. And we're, we're now working with our union partners to unlock it in the right way. And, and just, it's wonderful we have that, that content and, and we can share it and we're, we're doing a title every week and it's wonderful. People are really engaging with it. It's something you can come back to and you know, revisit old friends of productions and, uh, and see again. 
But then we're just trying to think about how we can create really purposeful new content. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, I mean, there's so much out there, but, and there's so much that's wonderful. I love seeing the kind of entrepreneurship of people as they, uh, you know, it's basically themselves and the camera and some good ideas and you can do a lot with that. Um, So we're trying to think how do we work in and provide content that really is is of meaning and that speaks to the company. And so we've been doing these odes to joy uh, with the Adler Fellows originally, uh, but then kind of expanding into other artists as well now. And they're just sort of little segments, you know, two to three minute arias or songs uh, with a little dedication at the beginning, um, just to help to give that little frame to it that uh, brands it and allows people to feel connected to it. But I think what we found is the content that is either really cathartic or really funny. And you kind of, you need to be at one extreme or the other. And if it's just pretty in the middle and it's like, "Eh, it's not, it's not really cutting it at the moment. So it's, and I, I don't know about you, but I find that in what I gravitate towards with music or TV at the moment, it's, it's like you need extremes. You do. That's a good way to, that's a beautiful way to word it. Because I think we're all living somewhere in between there. We're living mm-hmm. in that gray area. And I think we need to feel these extremes. And I mean, that's what opera is all about too, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the extremes of humanity. You just made me, you reminded me, Sasha put together a video for you. Yes, a thank you video. Yes. Well, yes, I, would like, I would like you to know <laughs> that my extreme on that video was, I don't know why I did it, but I made a video singing you the song, theme song from Golden Girls. Thank you for ah! friend. <laughs> and somehow that video got lost, like on the, on the way to her or whatever. And, and I told her, I said, you know, maybe that was divine intervention because we, we don't know each other that well. And I don't know how you would have taken me singing the, the Golden Girls theme song to you. I would have loved it. Carrie, well, Carrie here's your opportunity. Now, yeah. yeah, now's your opportunity. Let's hear it. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my extreme thank you. Instead of like a sad, meaningful, thank you. I just went funny. So I'm sorry. That just made me think of that. So well, do you, do you still have it? Can I, uh, I'd love to see it. I I'll send it to you. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. See, that'll make you laugh. Yeah. So we keep, we keep talking about everyone, everyone in the business keeps talking about the future of opera. Yeah. Do you think that that's the right way to discuss this or should we be looking at it in, in a different perspective, like how it needs to change or. Yeah. I mean, I think, that's what we're trying to look at is, is how we come out of this stronger. Um, you know, this wasn't exactly a rock solid business going into this. And, you know, it's been, you know, really for at least 15 years, it's been a lot of companies trying to battle changes in audience behavior. I, I fervently believe that people are as passionate about opera as they've ever been. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a, like a dumbing down of the audience or anything like that. I think it's, it's just that people, need different things out of life. They arrange their lives differently now. And we have been delivering opera in a pretty consistent methodology for, you know, at least a hundred years. And so we'd already begun to think about what this could look like on the, you know, in in a future state, we're coming up on a hundredth anniversary in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Pray we can be back and celebrate it by then at least. And, uh, but it's, it's really given us this impetus to say, well, what changes, what, what, what shapes the future of the art form? Because it's had this amazing resiliency to it. 
and it's just reshaped itself and reframed itself over centuries. Um, there was there was one uh, infographic that I, I wish I could find, but I've lost it's lost to time now. But it was of quotes about the graying of the opera audience, and it was from like 1602 onwards. And it was like it was these you know, it, was, it was people, you know, talking about the potential demise of opera, and it's like it seems like the audience is aging, and that was 400 years ago they were talking about that. <laughs> it's, it survived all of that with great grace and energy, and it's it's going to survive this certainly. And but it's it's how we get back and how we find new ways of connecting to people. Mm-hmm. We uh, we just adopted a new vision statement for the company about 18 months ago, oh. and it's uh, it's uh, to crack the code on producing big art in the 21st century, and just that that notion that what we do in grand opera is just this like overwhelming you know expression of humanity and and that can't that that's so important to humanity but that you know we've we've got to find new ways of producing it of delivering it of sharing it of being present in people's lives so as as painful as this is it's it's kind of expedited everything and said we we have to rethink it now because we may need to do that before we can get back into our main places of business yeah yeah i love that's a, actually, I find that a really positive way to look at it. We're just doing it sooner than what we all thought we were going to have to. So why not do that now? Why we have the time to reinvent? Right. Because I think if, if we just sit back and say, well, well, we'll come back to business as usual, mm. you know, that could be the death knell. I mean, that's yeah. that because the audiences, I don't think, will come back to a business as usual. No. The audiences are going to come back to it either with something psychologically different in terms of how they think about entertainment and art or just logistically different i mean here in the bay area only 30 percent of our audience comes from the city 70 percent comes from you know the broader bay area or, or further further afield Interesting. Wow. so most of our audience is having to commute in to see opera mm-hmm. and at the moment we've gone for like two months at least maybe a few more to come here where people are not <laughs> going into the city the, i think the behavior patterns of what pulls someone into the city is going to change so whether that means we have to think differently about where we present some of our pieces or I, I don't know. It's, it's early days yet. A sports, sports therapist that I read before years ago when I was talking a lot about technique and about muscle memory and all of that. And it takes three months to redo a habit. So to form a new habit. And if we're in quarantine now for three months, new habits are being formed and we have to think outside of that box, I think. Right. You know? how, how are you both handling that vocally? I mean, are you, are you trying next to question? find ways to sort of stay uh, vocally? <laughs> Gary, next <laughs> Exit screen right. <laughs> Put that fan on. Put the fan on. <laughs> what? Well, I will tell you, um, we both haven't sung. We are not finding the motivation the inspiration, yeah, it's t- it's been difficult. I've warmed up four times. Mm-hmm. Carrie sings Ella Fitzgerald, right? <laughs> I sing anything but opera, which I find really interesting. What I what I found super interesting was I found myself humming. I wasn't even thinking about it, and I thought, oh my gosh, oh you really want to sing? What do you want to sing? And it wasn't opera right now. I, I think my heart hurts a little too much when I hear myself. Um, Still too painful. That. Yeah, because but, uh, I. The future's so uncertain, and we don't know what's coming. And so, um, it's. Uh, but I will say this: it is very exciting. My eyes are watching Europe to see what's 
I know their opera houses are smaller. It's a different playing field, but if there are opportunities to do stuff, then I thought, ooh, maybe I do need to start practicing. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to have that goal, that something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. I'm sure as an opera company, you need that too, that, that date in our head of when it's gonna open. Right. I, I, my whole life, I've not been a person that deals well with extreme change. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a very, I like, I'm OCD. Okay, there I said it. Gary <laughs> knows this about me. And if I, if I don't have that schedule and that structure, I just slightly freak out. And so when I'm looking at the schedule in the future, I'm slightly freaking out. And so I just sweep it under the rug. And yeah, it's really hard. And we are not the only singers at our level that are not singing. I think yeah. if you were to ask most of them, they're all just saying, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, soon, the other day I came up from working out, we have a, a exercise equipment in the basement and at the top of the stairs, if I make a right, I go into my music room here. And if I make a left, I go into the house uh -huh. and I was just starting to turn right. I said, nah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the way you put it. We, we need something to look ahead to and, you know, we're, we're looking at what we can do digitally that's, again, like there's more produced in that sense. It's something that the whole company can kind of prepare for, execute, and then feel good about afterwards. I mean, that's what, that's the way we produce things. We don't produce things for, you know, tape delay and we produce things in the moment. So I, I completely understand that. It's, and that, that creative urge just to be making something is, is right. huge. Yeah, to do it alone is just kind of, mm -hmm. To did do you see the, um, what the Royal Stockholm Philharmonic did last week with uh, Nina Stemmer and the Basin Dunk leader? That was beautiful. Just to see, you know, 45 musicians and Nina in the middle and just, you know, making music. It was, it was heartbreaking. I was in tears. Yeah. Well, How did you get into opera? How did you, was this your degree? Were you... Yeah, I... Um, it was kind of a circuitous journey, but one that I was always focused on. Um, I... I I'd always been in, uh, invested in music. I started playing piano at age four, and that was was always my my thing, and cello and organ, and and then I my first opera I think was around age twelve, and I went. It was a school visit, and it was Graham Vick's company in Birmingham, in England, and he's had this very experimental company, which you know, in addition to all of his uh, international things he does, and just producing very cutting edge immersive, immersive opera. Um, you know, way before that became a, a trendy thing to do. And it was, it was a piece, uh, it was a contemporary piece on Beauty and the Beast. And you, it was set in the television studios in Birmingham. And you, you went from studio to studio and you followed the action through, uh, through the forests and in, into this, uh, into the Beast's house at the end. And it was just incredibly resonant. And just the idea that you could be invested in it and involved in it that much was uh, I think uh, it was by far from a traditional first opera but it was it left a lasting impression Obviously. and then I, I, um, I went to a lot of opera growing up through Welsh National Opera and Glyndebourne touring uh, because they you know that, that amazing system in the UK where they cover pretty much most of the, the main cities with just a few companies and so I I think by age 19 I decided that that I wanted to work in an opera company or, or run an opera company so that was that was kind of my my focus and direction at that point 
but the the British companies are very hard to get into. There's only, I mean, at that point, there was only about five of them, and pretty much died on the job. So it was a very slow turnover rate. Uh, at least that's what I tell myself for not getting a job in, in any. <laughs> um, that's great. So I came west. <laughs> great. But, uh, but no, it was. I just. I think from the beginning, it was that there were two things: the the repertoire and just how incredibly impactful it is and just emotive and getting a chance to be in something that that profound and, and doing that on a regular basis and then uh, secondly just the sheer masochism of putting all of this stuff together and <laughs> you know the complexity of it and the the multi-layeredness of it which Negotiations. Yeah, it's just, uh, just all of these pieces that have to come together. And when you sort of look at it like that, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle that everything comes together and those curtains go up and everything happens. It's, uh, it's, true. I mean, it's true. People don't know, you know, when we're talking about, about shutting opera houses right now, they just oftentimes just think of the orchestra or just the singers, but there's so much more that's behind the scenes. And that's what our goal is to show people what's involved in, in putting on an opera and, and running an opera company, and it's massive. That, that community of, of uh, the opera company is just is so enriching. And, and again, to sort of see everyone coming together in their, in their individual disciplines, which you know, they're so highly trained in and, and at the apex of their profession, and, and all of that just kind of resulting in these singular moments of, of artistic expression, it's, uh, it's just mind-blowing. So. So I, I, I felt the urge of that very early on. Good. You have a new music director. Yeah, we do. We yeah. do. Uh, I'm Sun Kim. It's, uh, I, I was thinking the other day just how, uh, how much has changed. We, we did the announcement for Unsung on the stage of the Opera House back in uh, December, in early December. And we, we had all of the company there and the press and the donors. And it was just this amazing sense of togetherness. And the Anani uh, was going to be her first return um, as music director designate. So it was, that's a particularly painful loss, I think. Um, but I, I have to say, she has just been, well, she is extraordinary. And all, all of the amazing qualities that drew us to her have just been so evident as we've gone through this crisis. I mean, she has been doing daily coachings with the Adler Fellows. Wow. You know, daily. Um, she's been working with music staff, with librarians. I mean, it's just, she is so deeply in, ingrained in the company already. It's, it's amazing. And that's what, that's what you want out of a music director. You want the music director to be the beating heart of a company. And uh, with, with Unsung, it's clear, even though she's not here in person yet, she's, she's playing that role phenomenally. That's amazing. Yeah. Lucky, lucky Adler fellows. How cool is that? Oh, yeah. I know. Well, it's, uh, I'm just so excited to get back with Ansan and with the orchestra and with the chorus and everybody because I think what she began in that is just the beginning and that there was an inclusivity around the way she made music, which again was something I had not experienced before. It was, I like to characterize it as, you know, rather than sort of telling people what to do, it's kind of opening your arms and welcoming people into what you want to do. And it's, she, she has a very clear perspective. It's not sort of, it's not art by committee, but it's, she has, a, she has a very clear perspective of what she wants out of something. But it's this amazing way of getting in there where you've, you are basically encouraging everyone to do their best. Yeah. And yeah. it's just the results of that are, 
are just spectacular. So, so no, this, uh, the, the, the journey begins and, and hopefully very soon. Yeah. Well, yeah, for everyone. Okay. Are we gonna go there? Are we gonna ask him? Can't, can can't, okay, this is a series, this is like our one serious question. And remember that this, this is edited and if you <laughs> don't like this question, we can cut it out. Cut, cut. Okay. We know that you have a close relationship with Agma. Mm -hmm. We're going there. And negotiations. Uh -huh. Do you see that in the future, the post-COVID era, that contracts for us solo artists are going to have to change? Um, change in, in what way? Just... I think uh, there's been discussions of maybe having a different pay structure. Mm -hmm. So we're paid more, let's say a third when we arrive, a third halfway through, a third at the end. Right. So that we're not out all the housing and the airfare. And I mean, I know different companies have different, different things with airfare, but I mean, I know in DC housing can cost $7,000 a month. And, you know, for the production of blue, those, those people were out a significant amount of money just from living expenses and the show never yeah. opened. So um, I just was curious if that could be a change in our contracts. I don't know how that would work. But or a standardization, like a worldwide standardization. Yeah. Instead yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting how that model of being paid, I mean, literally it is during the intermission, right? And at least that's the way we do it still. And now it's somewhat symbolic in that a lot of the times that's direct deposit. So it's, I don't, I don't think the direct deposit is hitting right in the intermission there. Maybe it is, but. Uh, Wait. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll, I'll sing the other half of the album. <laughs> but it's, it's true. I mean, we, we do hand out the checks during the intermissions. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I assume that that comes from a, a pretty historic tradition of, uh, of how artists were paid. But no, I think we're going to have to look at that structure and, um, and find ways to give some sense of stability. I and mean, we're thinking about that a lot at the moment is how do you uh, create a sense of stability for principal artists? And I think that this current situation has just been heartbreaking. Uh, well, heartbreaking for so many people, but for principal artists in particular, because, you know, you, you guys are the people who, you know, who bring these incredible moments to life, uh, you know, sort of the front face of, of this. Yes, there's, there's a huge amount uh, that goes with that, but I mean, you, you are the ones pouring out your emotions and your uh, incredible craft on the stage. And you know, many, many principal artists have strong relationships with companies, but it's not quite the same as being in a company. And, and I think that has been highlighted you know, through this situation where you know, as companies try and figure out how on earth they, they survive, and you know who they're able to pay and and how they're able to pay those people. Um, the the principal artists many times have, have not been part of that equation, and that's that's heartbreaking. Um, you know some of the, some of the social media posts that you see of just the rapidity of how much work people have lost. Or, you know engagement after engagement after engagement. Um, so I, I I'm not sure what that means, but I think people will be looking at it differently. Um, I, I'm curious as to whether the opera world becomes a more local place. Um, 
you know, the, this international frenzy that we have at the moment where people like finish one job one day and like get on a plane and arrive in Europe and begin rehearsals at 10 a.m. the next day. And, right. you know, this, which is exciting. And, and that's always been the case to some degree. I mean, San Francisco, uh, that really was part of our history as a company with people coming to Europe, from Europe and, and making their American debuts in San Francisco and then going east of the Met. But, but even then, you'd have like a singer like Lily Pons, for example, would come and do three or four titles in San Francisco. Right. Now, there may be three or four titles in the case in the course of a week sometimes, but, um, but you know, the, there was a much greater sense of stability, I think, and now there's just this frenzy of international travel. Right. And will people be willing to do that? Will they be desiring to do that so much? I don't know. It's, yeah. Um, well, they used to come over by boat. I remember Lily right. Pons used to, yeah, and she would do the stop in New York and then travel across North, North America and then go back by boat. And that right. was very civilized. And, you know, maybe that, you're right, though. Carrie and I, we have talked to how many people, Carrie, and they've all said this might be the future of opera, at least for the next year, six months, two years nationalistic if you want to call it that opera but singers singing in their own local area or country or whatever but and, and and just having a sense of place as well i mean i i think well you you both can speak to this much better than i but what it means to have been at home for a while and and to have had a more kind of grounded connection to home um will will people crave that or will they be desperate to <laughs> to get to back on the road i don't know I don't know. I, my husband traveled with me for about 11 years because he's a techie and could do that. And we just fell in love with traveling. So I will definitely miss that. I mean, that was always the bonus of going to a new country uh -huh. and experiencing the culture and the food and all on top of being able to being fortunate enough to work at a company. Um, so I would definitely miss that if the borders are shut or we turn to more local singing. Um, but I, I think that that would come back eventually, at least we all hope so, but maybe not in the first however many years. I don't know. Yeah. We're so lucky what we've had. And I think yeah. that that is something. And, and Matthew, you talked about traveling from this job to this job to this job. And I think that's another reason why Carrie and I are both haven't sung. I, I was truly burnt out. I pre-COVID, I had said to my manager, I might actually have to take a sabbatical because I was just so burned out from doing so many new roles and traveling so much and dealing with family stuff. And so maybe, you know, you have to come back to the inspiration on your own time. And yeah, yeah. well. And this patchwork of, you know, how, how we as an opera industry exist and have existed for decades of, you know, putting together seasons four, five years out sometimes. Right. And, you know, sort of piecing, piecing those things together in these impossible jigsaw puzzles where literally it is, you know, a, a day of your availability or not can sort of make, make or break something. And so there's right. this kind of push-pull of sort of how, how do we make this project work four years out? Um, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's imposing huge strain and anxiety on everything in the whole model and including the audience and so forth what the audience want to see at any point in time so and, and it's, it's interesting because now there's going to be this big um kind of rupture in the jigsaw model of 
you know, which projects get put back in somehow, which projects bump other projects out, out of the way, and, and, and no one knows how long it's going to go on for, so you don't know when it's safe to yeah. put something back in, and, and how that'll work out with principal artists as well, in terms of, you know, will, will companies be looking to sort of move your assignments around, and, and how do you re react and respond to that? Yeah, are you still going, booking things in the future, or have you put all that on ice for a bit? We've, we've slowed down a little bit. We, we were probably you know, a year or so behind some companies, but I think sort of intentionally so actually. Um, our centennial coming up in 22, 23, we, we still want to make sure that is you know, an extraordinary season. Um, but again, it's, it's hard to know what the ripple effects are going to be as we, as we look to you know, productions that we were going to partner on, which may not get produced now and in, in their originating companies. And it's, it's going to take a, probably several years before things iron out and you know even once we get back into operation it's going to be a number of years of really understanding how everything kind of clicks back into action so is that does that mean that that kind of model that you've been working under before would change and are you all discussing what that model could look like i think it's yeah i mean yes but i think it's early days yet i think we're at the moment I think companies are really sort of grappling with the immediacy of of what's happening now, what comes next, you know, how do how do we sustain companies through this and how do we sustain artists through this? Um, that that all is is hugely uh, you know complex and you know you're you're solving problems that have never been, you know, even yeah. surfaced before a little solved. Um, but, I, but I do think I'm, I'm seeing more conversations now as you look at further out projects and how are we gonna, how are we gonna keep those sort of signature projects that the new productions, the world premieres, things that you've sort of invested in collectively as, as international companies. And, and how do you find space and, and homes for those um, so that that artistry doesn't get lost. And True. That, that, that to me has been the, the really hard part of this is, and I'm sure you've, you've felt it both, but this artistic grief it's, um, you know, le leading up to our cancellation of the summer season, you know, we, we were in conversations about the, re the sort of how that would be manifest. So it wasn't like that day was new to us. We'd, we'd been sort of preparing for it. But that day was just like nothing I felt before because it's you just see all of this creativity, you know, just disappear. Um, it, was, it was horrible. Yeah. What are you finding... What do you do that helps you get through that? Sandra and I have found things that kind of help relieve the stress or relieve the emotions or change the emotions. So is there anything that you found new or? Um, I don't think new necessarily. It's, it's kind of just been this uh, pretty intense work period um, for me certainly. And, but I think, again, going back to you know, finding myself listening to a lot more cathartic music. Um, you know, I've been putting together like playlists of opera for the soul and just, you know, those pieces that you just like pull you in and just, you know, give you this sense of, of purpose and presence. Um, so that's been important. And then I think I, I just take huge, um, huge joy in any, any time we can be doing something creative as a company still. Um, our, our costume shop has been manufacturing about a thousand masks a week for healthcare professionals Amazing. in the Bay Area. And just to see that kind of activity happening, 
or at a scene shop open last week. That was uh, that was exciting. So San Francisco, you can't do that yet, but San Mateo, where our scene shop is, the, the county south of San Francisco, you can now do manufacturing. So um, cool. so we, we opened us. When do you open up? Moments like that are just like this. Ah, oh, this is yeah. There is a normalcy ahead. When, when, do you, when does San Francisco open back up? It's hard to say. Um, you know, the state is now in phase 2A, as they call it. Um, we, we, the, the performing arts are not until phase four, which is basically when there's a therapeutic drug. Um, but, but San Francisco is, is kind of inching its way, sorry, the, the state is inching its way into phase two. San Francisco has been a little more conservative, which they're allowed to be. Um, San Francisco theaters, I think, were the very first to close down in America. Um, the, the San Francisco Ballet was in the Opera House, and they 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 were closed down just after their opening night of a new production. Mm -hmm. um, and then San Francisco has maintained a very very um, you know strict position on this, which is which has meant that there's been very few cases, which is which is of course the point. Mm -hmm. But uh, but that. that that has meant that the the recovery will also be longer because it's just the flattening process. Mm. So, so I'm not sure, but our, our costume shop is poised to get back in whenever we can, and Yay. we will do everything we can to make art wherever and whenever we can. It's Yay! Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anything else you want to say to the viewers before we do our rapid fire questions? I would just say keep believing in opera. I mean, it's uh, I'd say what what we do as an industry is is not tied to a building, it's not tied to a way of doing things, it's all about emotion. Um, and that, that kind of emotion that we provide, like, like you said at the beginning, Sandra, I mean, this, we, we operate at the extremes of humanity. And this is a time when humanity is, an, is at an extreme. So I, I would just encourage people to, you know, lose themselves in opera, to just find it as this amazing reflection of where we are as humans. And you know we will we will find a way to get back to sharing that live, but there are many wonderful ways to do so in the interim. And you know that's this is what we do as an art form. This is how we touch people's souls. So thank you. Keep, keep believing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and now for some fun stuff. Yes. Hey hey hey. Are you ready? You ready for it? <laughs> do you need to turn the fan on now. No. <laughs> <laughs> should. Yeah. Who wants to start? I will. <laughs> Let's do this. What is the one? Ready? Okay, are you ready? By the what way, I should say that I am terrible. You know, you know the question cubes? Have yeah. you seen them? Yes. yes. I am terrible at those. My, my wife is like, she, can, she gives you an answer in a second. I'm like, hmm, let me think of the very best answer. So, and then like three minutes later, it's like- Beauty of editing. Like, Beauty of editing, yes. right? <laughs> yes, Final Cut Pro. <laughs> exactly. Carrie's you can, you can save me from mortal embarrassment. I will, don't you worry. Okay, what is the one thing that you do that drives your family crazy? That I do that drives me, probably work for the opera. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But they love the worst you. habit you will never break. The worst habit I will never break. I'd say working for the opera, but um, taking three minutes to answer rapid fire questions. 
the worst habit I will never break. You see, this is, I thought you were going to be asking me the James Lipton question. <laughs> no, that's why we changed it up because we didn't want yeah. people to be prepared. Jeez. Good job, Carrie. Good job, Carrie. Uh -huh. <laughs> the worst habit I'll never break. Uh, I know I, I'm too predictable. I'm too boring. I think, you know, I, I need to break out of myself a little bit, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Okay. What is the last thing you Googled? Hmm. Last thing I Googled. Um, can I check? Directions to Home Depot. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can check. You can. I was uh, I was googling this morning something about uh, return to work strategies. Okay, that is not fun. <laughs> you didn't say a fun Come thing. On, I googled. You just said the last thing I googled. Yes. Best piece of advice you were ever given. Uh, I think don't worry about things you can't affect. Good advice. Yeah. Very good advice. Well, you know this is coming because I love to ask people, but what is your favorite curse word? You know, I, I feel like between between eight years of kids and being a buttoned-up opera general director, um, I, I don't cuss as much as I probably uh, should to be healthy. So I find my, my cuss words tend to be kind of, you know, things like drat or darn it. So I think I'm going to go for something like a, a good British kind of uh, generic cuss word like codswallop. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> what is the one question you would love to ask your favorite opera star? Hmm. Oh, we got a good one there. You know what I'm most interested in? Or maybe I'll ask it of both of you. Like, what does it feel like to sing? What does it feel like to sing on the stage in front of 3,000 people? Depends on what you're singing. Good answer. Really? And I would say it depends upon the day. Because I've known you, that is so true. That is so true for you. It really is. It is it, because it's it as as you said, you know, it's very emotional. And Carrie's right. It depends upon what you're singing. If it's a very like peak dom, or if it's Tosca, as opposed to for me, Mozart, which I don't have that kind of emotional connection. But yeah, it depends upon the day. If, if, if you had like a really, my favorite word, my favorite swear word probably now is poopy. <laughs> if you had a really, Carrie's like, I hate that word. If you had a poopy day, yeah. But like, I know, you know some of the biggest highs you get, what are the highs come afterwards? No, they're on the stage for me, the biggest high, I think. Bingo. Yeah, afterwards is, is yeah, that. Mm. Wow. Or, or, or constantly judging myself. How did that go? I could have done that. I know Carrie. I know Carrie very well. And our brains think very similarly. Look yeah. at how hot Matthew looks. Oh, poor Sorry, can, you, can you edit out his post-production <laughs> uh, After Effects there? We should, we should let him go with the last one, Carrie, shouldn't we? Yeah, like a little uh, you know, thermometer we all have now like, that looks like a gun to your head and just see what yeah. the temperature is on this one. Well, 
I, can we ask two more questions before you pass out? Okay. <laughs> Please, I'm just gonna keep drinking here, so. Oh, okay, good. Um, what do you do that makes your kids laugh? Um, I try, I try and do vo uh, funny voices for stories. Um, and they used to hate it. They used to be like, Daddy, please speak in a normal voice. Oh. Um, but, now, but now they kind of love it. So we're, we're doing Wind in the Willows at the moment. So it's uh, a tough book for kids. I mean, yeah. they're sleeping with it, but there's a lot of big words in there for adults even. Um, but no, so I'm trying to do different voices. And I think they change every night, but uh, they enjoy it. They love that. Last question. Yes. Going back to James Lipton, we'll just give you one. Okay. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm, glad I'm getting a pass up there. That's good. Um, I think it would be great if, you know, God was in a big, like, leather armchair, you know, swivel chair, and, like, he, he turned around with kind of a white cat on his... Uh, on his lap and said, Mr. Shulvok, we've been expecting you. Great oh. <laughs> Fabulous. I can take it that you're James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> How could you be and not be a Brit? I, went, I once had the honor of writing remarks for, um, uh, sorry, I'm blanking on his name. James Bond, <laughs> not Sean Connery. Um, oh, oh. Um, Roger Moore. Yeah. Yeah, he, he seen Houston's 50th anniversary, Houston Grand Opera's 50th anniversary uh, celebration, and I, I got to write remarks for him, so that was... How cool is that? That's, That's super cool. Yeah. It's good to do what we do. It is good to do. We meet some great you people. You know? Yeah. Like both of you ladies. Well, thank you for joining us, honestly. Thanks. And we look thank forward for to returning to San Francisco and making music there. Yeah. I look I look forward to it. And uh, Kerry, we're, we're sad not to have you with us at the moment. It's, uh, it's, that's so sad for me. And Sandra, I'm keeping all fingers crossed for October. Well, we have, Kerry and I have an idea. If, 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 that, if October actually does happen, Kerry and I have some lame brain idea. I love your scheming. That, that, we, might, that we might tell you about later, but there might be a little Thelma and Louise involved in that, so. Oh, that one. Sorry, oh, that one. <laughs> ideas. I was like, which one, Sandra? Oh, that one. Okay. <laughs> Everybody have ideas. Creativity. I love it. Well, you know, I mean, we have to get creative right now, and I think that this has brought out creativity in, in everyone that we've talked to. And I knew nothing about social media. Carrie knew nothing about editing. We did this show. We're two silly blonde opera singers that we're just doing the best we can. <laughs> well, I just what a great job you're doing with it because it's, uh, it's just wonderful conversation and uh, I just Thank love you. how you're doing it, how you're approaching it and you're just keeping people's spirits up, uplifted and buoyant. And we hope. Thank you for everything you do. Now Thank go get in the air conditioning. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Or, just, or just jump on the slip and slide. Yes, with some soap. <laughs> Take care. Take care, ladies. Thank you. We'll see you soon. We'll see you okay. soon, I hope. Okay. Bye-bye.
Oh my God. Oh my God. I have to tell you this. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm sitting here with my legs crossed and like cross-legged and my, and I've got my drink in my crotch and I spilled it. That means when we were talking about agma and it was so cold, I was like, I did see a little jiggle there. And I thought, Ooh, Carrie, we were just talking about this with somebody else with a camera jiggling. Oh, did it cool you off though? Did it ruin your sofa? It's cool. <laughs> did it ruin your sofa? Oh no. No, no, no. It's a clear drink, but I just was, yeah. Reason number 542 to drink clear drinks. <laughs> <laughs> On a white couch. What the hell were we thinking buying this thing? I have no idea. Partner look. Yeah, he was great. Are you happy? Yeah, I just, you know, I feel so bad for them because they have so much on their shoulders and so many people that are relying on them for their guidance and to get through this and what it's going to look like on the other side. Which, how does anybody know? I mean, oh my God. Well, at least he didn't speculate. And you know what? I have to give him props for that. He didn't yeah. try to say, oh, we'll be back in the fall or, oh, we'll be back in January. He just, no. he was very real. And I, yeah. I appreciated that because we've talked about this. I'm tired of people speculating. I'm tired of people saying, oh, well, you know, we'll do social distancing or, oh, well, we'll be back for sure. Right. No one knows. No one and knows. that was really nice that he yeah. said that. Right. And so eloquently too. Well, he's, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Can I show you my pants? Yeah. You need to laugh. I can't see them. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> That's hysterical. Opera singer. I wish I had legs like those. Those are awesome legs. Oh, come on. Thanks. Oh, please, girl. Thank I'm God you can see too close to see all the hair. No, I could not see your hair legs. <laughs> <laughs>